episode of Whoa Now, the podcast bringing you candid conversations relevant to the masses. Now, I'm trying to be consistent. I'm doing my absolute best. So you are getting this episode within a week of the last one or a week-ish, a week and some days. Now I understand when I recorded this episode it actually was a week and some days now clearly it's not but we're not even going to think about that we're just going to appreciate the episode and all of its contents but I am trying my hardest to develop a schedule and with classes going on I am you know getting back into a routine so hopefully that means a consistent schedule But for any of my new listeners, my name is Annalisa Law, the only living law who's better than any of America's laws, as well as all of Newton's laws. So there you go. Today, I come to you all with art, oratorical art, from my female college freshman self. During one of my only two English classes at Howard, which honestly, English literature classes at Howard are the bomb.com. My English classes were my favorite classes my freshman year. I wrote a speech, and this is, you know, what this whole episode is about, a speech critiquing the culture that continues to expand the divide between girls in STEM fields. It's full of sass, full of shade, full of tea. And I hope that the women out there in STEM, or honestly, women in general, are able to relate with my message, relate with the speech, you know, just get some some glimmers of, oh, girl, I felt that, or, oh, me too. I I I have felt the same way in a situation like this. So, almost a year and a half later, this speech is still timeless. So, kick back, relax, grab some tea cuz I got mine. And let's just dive right into this. We are failing our black girls. When you look at me, what do you see? Maybe a future lawyer, possibly a doctor, even a journalist? I I, I tend to get that one a lot. I've heard that it's the glasses, you know? Well, whatever you may think you see, the last thing you would probably think of is an engineer. Hello, my name is Annalisa Law, and I am a freshman mechanical engineering mage. Wait, before your eyes start glistening, 
and your jaw drops in awe of my spectacular ambitions, please hold all reactions until after I've completed my introduction. I am a freshman mechanical engineering major from Atlanta, Georgia, and I completely retract my previous statement. I don't want your eyes to glisten in awe. I don't want your jaws to drop. And I refuse to let you all believe that I am special simply because I am a black girl who is pursuing her dream, which just so happens to be engineering. Saying things like, wow, that's amazing, doesn't show that you care. Telling me how much you pray that I stick it out until the end is not actually encouraging. These responses are called microaggressions, subtle, seemingly harmless responses to a bigger issue. By responding in these ways, you are perpetuating a stigma that continues to damage our society. You and others who think like you have a mindset that continues to strengthen the divide between Black girls and STEM careers. The inappropriate manners in which we are addressed about our aspirations is one of the ways we are failing our Black girls. As a little girl, I was never deeply interested in playing with dolls and other girly toys. In fact, one of my favorite pastimes as a child was destroying things. It started in fourth grade. I loved science and math, but humanities were not my favorite. It was so difficult for me to stay focused during subjects like history and English. Finally, one day, I said, enough. As I began to slowly unscrew the tip of my mechanical pencil, I threw all caution to the wind. Piece by piece, it took me very little time to completely dismantle two of my pencils, and I chose to throw a pen into the mix just for some added fun. While my classmates had razor-sharp focus on my teacher and her lesson about I, I can't seem to remember what the lesson was about. I was intent on entertaining myself with these now useless writing utensils. I soon developed a unique interest in deconstructing mechanical pencils to create miniature inventions from the parts. After realizing that the best way to make a miniature slingshot that wouldn't get me suspended but would get on everyone's nerve was out of the springs and small components of my pencils, I was hooked. It was during these childhood experiments that my love for engineering began to grow. My road to discovery, however, came with its fair share of struggles. Many of my teachers found my fascination for what I called repurposing and remodeling strange, to say the least. They would often confiscate my bag of parts, which I can't completely disagree with, but they even went as far to self-diagnose me with ADHD solely based on my complete disinterest and intolerance for English and social studies.
why was it so absurd that a girl could develop a knack for engineering at such an early age? Where was the encouragement that I needed to keep me moving along the road less traveled? The only thing that I wanted was a, you're doing great, sweetie. Looking back, I now realize if I did not possess a certain level of determination back then, that could have drastically altered the path I chose for my life. And I think it's fair to say that if I did not know how to preserve my peace at such a young age, I would have allowed the toxicity to consume me. No little girl deserves to go through what I went through. The feeling of rejection for simply doing what she loves. We should be encouraging our black girls to explore opportunities within STEM, not creating a divide. How do we, as a society, acknowledge the lack of representation within STEM yet place no effort in appealing to the female base. In order to change this, we must acknowledge that the issues in the way we approach young girls stems from an absence of active engagement in the classroom. We know that young girls have been tricked into believing that math and science are too hard for them. However, In 2012, the New York Times published an article that worked to extinguish that idea completely. A study conducted by the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development examined teen girls and boys based on one science test. And the results were pretty shocking. Girls significantly outperformed boys in each of the 63 countries except for the United States. Yet, girls with respect to all the countries have consistently gone on to have a low turnout in math and science fields. So there is clearly a problem. It's not that girls are bad at math. Girls just are not being groomed to believe that they can be better at math and science if they fight through obstacles and persevere through their hardest struggles. If this vital piece of the integration process doesn't change, there is no hope for change. While the first step to solving a problem is acknowledging it, there is now a responsibility to take action. In order to bridge the disconnect between women in STEM fields, we must take a three-pronged approach. The first of these plans of action can be easily implemented by teachers within the classroom. By actively encouraging girls to participate in the classroom, teachers are making a clear effort to include them in class conversations. Starting off with basic math and science questions will help establish confidence and developing the foundation for confidence can make a huge difference in a girl's perspective of STEM topics. Moving forward, black history should not only be discussed in social studies. 
acknowledging the successes of black women in math and science will allow girls to visualize where they can potentially fit into the framework of these disciplines. On another note, political reform is always an effective tool if implemented to the fullest extent. With that said, the last step is executing an educational policy that will integrate activities like robotics and coding into the National Common Core curriculum. Just as the arts are nurtured in the education system, engineering and technology should be treated with the same respect. Keep in mind, however, that these engagements should not be graded. Brown University, one of the nation's most highly regarded institutions is notorious for the implement implementation of what they refer to as the open curriculum. This allows students majoring in business, for example, to explore their interest in photography while workshopping classes that will expose them to even more potential in interests. Black girls should be promoted to troubleshoot with their interests with no strings attached. There have been anthropological studies, such as those mentioned in the book, I Love Learning, I Hate School, which support the notion that formal education that en encompasses a grading system has led to a lack of learning. This no strings attached approach allows students to focus their attention on learning in active engagement only. So I leave you with this. Remember to exercise caution when speaking to little girls about their aspirations, especially when they pertain to science and math. Don't say things like, well, maybe this isn't meant for you. Or even worse, wow, many girls don't go into engineering. Make sure to encourage your girls and girls that you know to experiment with robotics and technology. Teach them how to break things. A wise man once told me that if you haven't broken anything, you're not learning. And lastly, call out the individuals around you who may have a skewed perception of what girls should and can be. Those who remain willfully ignorant to the necessity of the female perspective within the field of STEM. Those who see no value in the female lens. Once all those individual measures are taken, then, and only then, will we see the potential for a brighter future and the possibilities for a better tomorrow. Mm. I hope that it fed your spirit the way it fed mine reading it. <laughs> Over a year later, and it still hits. But it's unfortunate that it's still true. The reason why it still comes to mind is because, honestly, my imposter syndrome has been on a rampage recently. And some may think that imposter syndrome is self-internalized and often has nothing to do with people, what people have directly said to you. 
well, how about those individuals who have directly tried to make you feel other and have tried to isolate you into feeling non-valuable because of something that they have going on inside with them? And though I have moved past the ways that I have been made to feel small and apologies have been dealt and status and position and rank have changed, sometimes when I am feeling low and like my self-worth is contingent upon my productivity, those demonizing words rise right back up to the top. And I've recently been trying to unpack why I feel the need to always express that I am being productive to a public audience. You know, I often do a lot of things that Instagram and Twitter and people don't see. I can wake up at 9 a.m. and go to the grocery store and then go return something and buy something and like have a full day and nobody sees it. But there are brief moments where in the middle of doing just what I do on a daily basis, I wonder, man, nobody knows that I'm doing this. Like I have a whole $30 worth of fruit in my buggy right now why did I just say buggy when I am from the South and say cart? Um, sorry, <laughs> cart. And no one sees that I have $30 worth of fruit and that I've been in Sprouts for 45 minutes just shopping and getting my life together. But why should they have to see that? That is nobody's business. Unless I want it to be. But why do I feel entitled to show people what I'm doing? You know, I am going through this process of trying to accept that my value can come from me not doing anything at all. I can rest on a Sunday and still be valuable. Just because I am resting does not mean that I am worthless. And I have been using affirmations and just trying to internalize all of the things that I am saying to myself to the point where I finally believe them. And so when it comes to imposter syndrome and feeling other and feeling isolated and feeling like you don't belong, know that just because things are difficult, just because the road is steep and it's treacherous does not mean that you don't belong there. Things that are worth fighting for, working for, always come with a great return. 
And that's one thing that I am trying to realize. You know, I am often very open about not knowing the answers. And it scares me because it's like me putting myself out there and not knowing if I am the only one. But I'm I'm never the only one. It's just about how well other people, you know, are managing their outward appearance. I can look frightened. I can look anxious. I can look confused. You will see it all on my face. But some people are great at covering all of that up. And they'll talk to you in private about how anxious, how stressed, how confused they are. It's just all about how you present it. So know that you are never alone. You're not alone. So I hope that you were able to, if you don't already share this perspective, were able to gain a new lens. I hope that you learned something. Um, I hope that you felt this. I hope you were moved by this. And, you know, I think that we still have a lot of work to do in terms of motivating and encouraging, you know, our black girls, our girls in general, to take hold of the STEM field and run with it and do amazing things. Of course, there are things that have already been done by women, black women in the STEM fields that are amazing, but it is, our responsibility, it's my responsibility to make sure that I am doing my part in encouraging that cycle to continue. That's it for today's episode. Thank you so much again for joining me. Remember that life is a journey, not a destination. So live accordingly. See you all next time. Bye.